Dave and Giggles on Radio Free Brooklyn. Dave's in his loft in Brooklyn, and I'm in my uh, office in Colorado. Yes. Uh, Oh, you really? Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, so so you when you giggle in Colorado, it goes all the way to Brooklyn. Yeah. Giggle. I have a universal giggle. It just goes all over. So it just you know it doesn't matter where I am. It giggles everywhere. Yes. It goes everywhere. I did want to start out um, the show and introduce you. Um, Good idea. David Leaf is is more than more than one thing i would say like you have a well-rounded career that like just blew me away and like not only the books have you written uh the movies you've directed and produced like you've gone you're a teacher at ucla like you have a not only a uh a career that spans so much and makes many people envious you also have done the impossible you have done the childhood dream of making one of your idols your friends which is unreal like i think in general i think that's like every boyhood's dreams to be like i grew up and that person was my idol and then all of a sudden they're your friend so i'd love to jump into it and explore how you became friends with brian wilson absolutely you know the the first time i I met brian i had just moved to california in the fall of 75. And one of the reasons I moved here was, was to, uh, to write a book about him. And I hadn't been here 36 hours and I, and I bumped into his brother, Dennis, on the street. It's wild. And I said, to, I said, hi, Dennis, my name's David Leaf. I just moved to California to write a book about your brother, Brian. And he laughed and laughed and laughed. I can, you can almost still hear the echo of his laughter because it was absurd. Right. The whole, the whole notion of it seemed absurd. I, and I'm not exaggerating. Almost three years to the day of that accidental meeting, the book was in bookstores. That's wild. So, so uh, things just happened. Anyway, about eight months after I, I met Dennis by accident, I'm, I'm, I'm at the Y shooting baskets with a college friend. And we're just, you know, shooting, talking, hanging around. And two guys walk onto the court. One of them is really tall. A guy by the name of Stan Love, who had just retired from the NBA. His son, Kevin, NBA superstar. Mm-hmm. His brother, Mike, the lead singer of the Beach Boys. And with him is Brian Wilson. And, That's amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, how could this be? 
how is it remotely possible that I'm at the West, West LAY and there's Brian Wilson? Because according to legend, he's in his room, he's in bed, sure. well, all that crap, which I later learned that most of it wasn't true. Um, anyway, we, we, we shot baskets, we played two on two for a while. And more than anything, I couldn't wait to like call my friends in New York and go, you can't believe who I played basketball with. And, you know, in, in, in the vernacular of, of, of basketball, he was all offense, no D. That makes sense. Every time he got the ball, he shot. There was mm -hmm. no passing. I mean, Every they said time... the same thing of Prince, right? They said the same thing of, of Prince, of being like all offense, no defense. <laughs> I don't know if Prince played <laughs> well, basketball. He did. He did. He did? Yeah. Oh, Prince, Prince is a small man. But good at basketball. I'm sorry to interrupt you, David. No, that's okay. I didn't. I didn't know Prince played shot hoops. Either. Yeah, there's a, a this, yeah, guy, six guy. six four. Right, so Prince is not, like five you know, foot, so it's a little different. Yeah. But go on. <laughs> anyway, so so that was my first encounter with him. Didn't really connect with him that day, and then I met him a couple more times. Once uh, New Year's Eve, 1976, at the Beach Boys' 15th anniversary post concert party. And then uh, April Fool's Day, 77, was the launch day for the Beach Boys' Love You album. And they had a listening party at their studio, Brothers Studio in Santa Monica. And I, I met him that day, and it was a bizarre day. Because at playback parties, you know, you're kind of supposed to listen to the sure. album. He's sitting at the piano, and he's banging on the keys. But he's not playing anything remotely resembling the album. It's amazing. And and I'm standing there right next to the piano. I mean, I can't believe I'm standing next to Brian Wilson and he's playing the piano as this new album plays. Neither of those first three occasions resulted in me becoming, a, he didn't give me his phone number, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, uh, what happened was uh, a girlfriend uh, of his became aware that I was writing this book. She, she had seen a, what they used to call a fanzine uh, called Pet Sounds that I did. And she and her roommate, who were very close to Brian, said, you know, why don't you come over some night when he's here for dinner and just get to meet him? Don't interview him. Just hang out and get to, you know, experience what it's like to be with the guy who you're writing a book right. about. Sure, you pinch because, yourself and be like, "Wait, is this real? Is this really happening?" You know, my my whole life has been a kind of a series of those pinch me moments. I mean, you know, I remember you know having to. I was a production assistant on a Sinatra special, and I had to I had to deliver something to his house, and he answered the door. <laughs> it's like that's so good. That's Frank Sinatra. You know, it's so. There's a lot of that stuff. I'm I'm at the Dakota in the kitchen talking to Yoko. That's amazing. I mean, you know, there's just. A lot of those things. The white piano over in the corner. The white piano is walking right by it to go to the kitchen. That's great. Anyway, so I'm, I'm at, at uh, Debbie and Eva's apartment over on Montana Avenue in, in Brentwood. And the four of us are having dinner. And Brian was just very, very reserved, quiet, um, not suspicious, but just not open. Mm. But as I spent more and more time with him, he began to reveal himself. Everything with Brian is a matter of trust. Does he trust you? Or are you, some, are you another leech right. who's, who's just trying to get a piece of him? 
And um, what happened was the book came out. So those people he trusted read the book and said to Brian, this guy's okay. And so that's how I became um, you know, friends with him. But even before that happened, there was just this absolutely bizarre night at my apartment. I was living in West LA and, and uh, a Beach Boy collector was at my apartment. He had flown in from Colorado to pick up a bunch of stuff that I had used uh, in the book, in the 1978 book that came out three years before Mike was born. And um, <laughs> it's true. You got a little color today, didn't you? Yeah, it's just a keep going, Dave. Keep going, Dave. I know. <laughs> so, so he and I are sitting there. We went, went out. We went out for pizza at, at a place called La Barbara's. No longer there, but as good a deep dish pizza as LA has ever had. Sure, harken back um, to that old joke. <laughs> and and uh, we came back to the apartment around nine o'clock. A couple of leftover slices. Put them in the refrigerator. I figured that's lunch tomorrow. Great. And around one o'clock in the morning, there's a knock on my door. And it's like, who's coming over at one o'clock in the morning? And it's two LA music industry guys, Harvey Kubernick and Rodney Bingenheimer. And with them is Brian Wilson. Weird. And, and Harvey says to me, we didn't know where else to bring him. So we brought him here and figured you would know what to do. And they left. What? And so Brian sits down on the couch in my living room and says, you got anything to eat? And what are you said, thinking well, at this point? What, are, what is going through your mind? I really want to know. What is going through your mind being like, what have I gotten myself into? Or is it deeper than that? <laughs> well, it's, it, I know that Brian is generally in trouble. Hmm. In, in the 1970s, he's not being taken care of. Um, coincidentally, two weeks prior to this event, I can only call it an event, I know what else, this bizarre moment, I had driven his Brian's girlfriend's roommate to the house Brian had moved into after getting separated from his wife. Mm -hmm. Why were we there? We were there because uh, the girlfriend and, and, and Debbie and Eva felt that Brian had really lousy sheets and towels. You know, this, this superstar rock and roll legend has really crap. And so we had gone over there, or I had driven her over there. She went inside the house and remade his bed with these nice linens and left the towel. So I knew where he lived. That's a good friend right there. Yeah, that is a really good friend. Yeah, these, these, <laughs> Two weeks later, it's one in the morning. Brian Wilson shows up at your house. You got two slices of deep dish pizza. Uh, I'm 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 on I'm on the edge. Well, I'm on, I'm on a standing desk. I'm not really on the edge of my seat. I'm on the edge of my seat, metaf uh, liter uh, what metaphorically. Figured. Figured. Metaphorically, figured. metaphorically. I'm figuratively on the edge of my seat. It's one in the morning. Brian Wilson shows up at your house. Please continue. I put the two slices in the toaster oven. Heat them up. He wolfs them down and proceeds to lie down on the couch and go to sleep. He, he doesn't even give you a slice. He doesn't. You don't even share those. <laughs> he takes both pieces. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> offense only. No defense. <laughs> there's no. There's no sharing. In, in fact, you know, people ask, "What is Brian? What are the things that Brian likes in life?" And it's music and food. Mm. I mean, those are. Those are. You know, right. I there. identify. I identify very well. 
Anyway, uh, about two hours later, meanwhile, I'm sitting there with my friend who's one of the biggest Beach Boys collectors in the world. That's so funny. And, and we're looking at each other like, what? <laughs> what the hell is going on? And we've just spent the last year, year and a half working on this book, trying to understand what's going on in Brian's life, trying to tell the story as honestly as possible. And there he is. And suddenly, he's my responsibility. <laughs> anyway, how he, well he did you know up. him at this point? Were you like, I didn't, I didn't know. I had been to, 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 to Debbie's house a couple of times to have dinner with him. But not but this did, close. I, but the thing about Brian is he knows and remembers everything and everybody. Mm. He, he, he's like a tuning fork. He can instinctively feel your vibration, mm. whether it's a good one or not. Sure. And so, like a horse. Uh, well, like, horses like, do? Yeah. Horses, horses can tell if you, I think so. Horses can tell. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to steamroll you here. But horses <laughs> can kind of tell if you've been on a horse before and if you're a good person. <laughs> You know, I'm not comparing Brian Wilson to a horse. Apologies. No. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> He's got the instincts of a horse. I'm the color guy, David. Sorry. I gotta, you know. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. That's that's okay. He's he let's let's put it you're more like a dog in terms of you know, you're walking your dog and a dog will start barking at oh my somebody. God. My dog barks or, at everybody. Or go up and start licking their hand. So sure. the dog's dog really picks up. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> he wakes he wakes up and he says, uh, take me home. What? That's so insane. So we, we get into my car, the three of us, and I ask him, where, I said, Brian, where do you live? Good no question. Answer. Good question. Good no question. answer. But I know where to go. Yeah. So I drive down the California incline, up Pacific Coast Highway, up Chautauqua to Sunset Boulevard, and make a turn on Sunset Boulevard. And when we get about a quarter of a mile from his house, he says, okay, my place is coming up on the right-hand side in about six houses. And we, I That's know where so to stop. Wild. Get out. He gets out of the car. Boom! He's gone. And <laughs> yeah, what do you do with that? <laughs> there's nothing to do with it. No, I filed it away, and it's in the you know the the the, the bigger version of it's even in, in this new book. That's great. Uh, so so it kind of sat in, in my head for 44 years. Um, but uh, what happened when the book came out was the people he trusted read it and said, this guy's okay. So I became part, slowly became part of this inner circle that, that were friends with him. And, you know, in those days, Brian was really in trouble. He was yeah. not doing well. Um, I mean, I remember we went to visit him over Christmas. I think it was 1980. He was hospitalized. My, my girlfriend at the time, who was a friend of his, um, got a little artificial Christmas tree and decorated it and brought it to his hospital. And hospital rooms are pretty depressing. Sure, not like um, they are today. So it's just something to cheer, something to cheer him up. But it was like this is so bizarre because in the in the book I had kind of self righteously or righteously said, "Why is Brian being treated the way he's being treated? What what is going on here? Why is this music who's made?" millions around the world happy made tens of millions of dollars for mm -hmm. his family and relatives and made all these people rich and famous not being treated well now suddenly the shoes on the other foot what am i going to do and um 
the fact that I'm still friends with him, you know, 40 something years later, I guess, speaks to, to what, what, what happened. Yeah. Did you, I don't approach this the wrong way, but like, do you feel like you were like a good friend to him when, when you, when you could be? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the, the thing, you know, my, so that girlfriend's roommate, I ended up getting married to her. Ah, yeah. I was going to ask. It seemed like there was something there. I could feel it like a dog, you know, I could feel it. Yeah, well, you picked up the vibration. I did. I did. And, and, and um, over the course of time, after Brian had been freed uh, from the evil doctor, um, Brian's girlfriend, now his second wife, and, and my wife and I, we became a foursome. We just, we went out to dinner all the time. And the, th the thing about, so Brian Wilson, since 1960, late 62, has been a money machine. Mm -hmm. People are always trying to figure out how to get a piece of it. Mm -hmm. Well, we go out to dinner with Brian. He should pay, shouldn't he? He's the rich guy. And, and my wife was, no, we're going to pay. And he loved being treated to dinner. It, it, it just made him smile because everybody was so used to leeching off of him. Right. But more than normal. that, he was he wanted to be treated normally, right? Not being treated like a superstar. So we could just hang, we could go swimming, we could go to the movies, we could just walk around and just talk and laugh and sing. And it had nothing to do with okay, there's a record deal and they, we need a new record. Nothing to do with that. Um, through the years, I I did help him out. I, you know, one of the things. That, that my late wife was really sharp about was that you don't ever want to work for Brian because everyone who goes to work for him no longer is his friend. Mm, so I never worked for him. Um, I did a lot of projects about him um, that Capitol Records might pay me to do or Showtime might pay me to do or TNT might pay me to do, but, but it was always something that I thought would be good for him uh, as a friend and a fan. And we just, he loves to laugh, just loves to laugh. And, you know, I, I was a class clown. I was a, a sitcom writer for a little while. Um, I, I, just the other day, we had an event at UCLA, and I, I couldn't resist interrupting the chairman of the, the department with, with, with a joke in front of 30 new students. I mean, I just, I'm a smart ace. Did it land? Did the joke land or <laughs> the joke? The joke hit. Oh nice. yeah, it was. Okay, it, it was. It was an EDM ecstasy joke. It scored. <laughs> That's oh, nice. perfect. Okay. Seems like a UCLA joke. That works. It works. <laughs> um, but but you know, one time there are these souvenir shops all over LA. So he went to a souvenir shop on on Hollywood Boulevard, and he bought two of these. You know these dumb trophies. They would say "World's Greatest Dad." Or yeah, he bought he bought two for me. <laughs> world's greatest comedian and world's greatest writer and it's like okay I'll, I'll take i'll take those that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty nice that's amazing that's that's, amazing. that's awesome that's, and the fact that you're still friends with them really that's a long time to be friends with someone a and then also to be friends with brian wilson yeah it's it's uh you know i'm really i'm really proud of not just that I'm friends with him, but but the relationship, how I was able to help him through some rocky times, how how I was help, able to help him as a friend 
kind of regain his confidence in his music and then have this great creative renaissance in, in the 90s and the, and the 21st century. So that, you know, when I wrote the book back in 77, people were like, they didn't know who Brian Wilson was. It was the Beach Boys who, you know, had these hit songs about fun and sun and girls right. and cars. Who's this Brian Wilson guy? Well, now, it, you know, you can Google Brian Wilson and find out a lot about him. Right. Um, I just and, did that like 30 minutes before the show. Come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. That one that's well. early. I, that's early. I, 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 you know, I, I remember once, you know, doing my home. My, my mother came into the bedroom I shared with my brother on a Sunday night at 11. And I had just started working on a report that was due the next day. And, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I have some homework. And she said, when's it due? And I said, tomorrow. And she said, are you, how, are you almost finished? I said, I just started. She wasn't happy. <laughs> but you got it done, though, right? You got it done. She helped me do it when I got the report <laughs> back. Sixth grade, uh, Mr. Parsons, C+. Plus. This looks like it was done the night before it was due. <laughs> See, teachers know. They always know, right? You're a teacher. Yes. You know. I'm an A+. Plus. I, I, I do know now. Yeah. I do know now. All right. I got a, I got a multi-part question from our, our, our a big fan of ours, Phil, who's also like a diehard uh, Beach Boys, Brian Wilson fan. And uh, all right, here we go. That's okay. Because we're going to give Phil the book. So Phil's going to get the book and maybe a couple little mementos, uh, maybe not the world's greatest comedian trophy from you. But uh, <laughs> Phil had a three-part question. He says, what, what do you think about the new Beach Boys set that was just announced? Uh, part two is what do you think about Brian's two wilderness periods, 1973 to 1975, and misconceptions about his prolificness? See, I couldn't even write a question like that. No. Mixed perceptions about his prolificness? He's a real, he's a real interesting dude. He's a real, he's wow. a, yeah. he wanted to be on the so show, it, but he was going to go to a gala tonight. So sounds nice. he, he, he gave up being on Dave and giggles live. Not many people do David. Brooklyn? Not many people do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gave up. I'm not watching. I'm not watching the Yankees right now. Oh man. You're missing judge, the, but you're recording I, it I, though. You got it on record. <laughs> you got it on DVR though. Right. I haven't learned how to do that yet. Um, <laughs> That's the great thing about the web. You just click on. Yeah, you just click on it. yeah exactly. That's all you need. Um, anyway, uh, so Brian Wilson was extraordinarily prolific in the 60s and into in the 70s as well. And the 80s, 90s and the 2000s. Um, so, uh, you know, musical artistry, to be serious for a second for Phil, most great music is made by, in, in terms of contemporary music, is made by people in their teens, late teens into their 20s. Right. And they've pretty much done their best work, uh, you know, long before they hit your age, Mike. Way before it. Way before. Way before. You're washed up, man. <laughs> um, but no, Mike, Mike, Brian is very prolific. He, what he never really could do was force it. Uh, he he would sit at the piano and play what he called feels, and he would just play chords and chord changes and until something happened, or if something didn't happen, it didn't happen. He never he never really wrote um, on order, um, except in the mid '60s, the, the Beach Boys were putting out two or three new albums a year for a right. while. 
So, so it was a good thing he was young and prolific at, at that point. I'm sure that had a lot um, to do with like his mental state of being forced to do something, you know? Um, he, it was pouring out of him. It, yeah. he, he just, and because it was successful, uh, you know, if you, if you're doing stuff and people are going, I love it. That's great. Here's a, here's a check for $250,000 nice. and there's another one coming in three months. So keep going. Keep it that's, going. A, that's a pretty good, in, that's not a bad incentive. So, so, so Phil, uh, he is, he is, and was prolific. The, the, the issue wasn't so much what he did or didn't do is whether the music fit the image of the Beach Boys and what the record company wanted or what the Beach Boys wanted. So that, that I think kind of gets, the story gets a little more complicated there. In terms of this new box set that's coming out, I think he's talking about something called Sail on Sailor, which, which is coming out that's this fall. Um, the, the Beach Boys, in my, in my view of the story, the, the, the group no longer matters after Holland, which is the album that Sail on Sailor came from. So this box set to me will be the last of these box sets. You know, if you look at the 60s and early 70s, that's, that's the era where the Beach Boys matter. They had a lot of commercial success after 73, but this, this box set, um, it, I, I think there's going to be a lot of great stuff on it. I I, I produced with with uh, uh, Andy Paley and Mark Lynette the first two Beach Boys box sets. One called Good Vibrations. How's that for a title? And um, there it is. Another one that was uh, called the Pet Sound Sessions. And I've always thought of these as what what would I as a fan want? And I and I think this collection will give the hardcore fans what they want. Whether, whether any of these things go beyond the hardcore fans, I don't know. Um, there was a question in the middle that I didn't write down. Oh, if, if you remembered it, that'd be amazing. But it was the question about the, uh, the wilderness, the wilderness period. Um, so Brian had a lot of wilderness periods where he no longer felt that he was part of the Beach Boys, but wasn't necessarily part of anything else. And depending upon what you market, that could be from like 72 to 82. Um, there were periods in the midst of that where he made a lot of music, uh, a lot of music that the, the didn't, wasn't released. He did an entire album called Adult Child that uh, was left on the shelf. Um, somebody once told me I was the one who named it Adult Child. Because after after I heard the tape, I said he, it sounds like an adult child or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. And this um, is unreleased. That that was an unreleased. It's an unreleased album. It's been bootlegged from here to eternity. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the songs on it made it onto that uh, Good Vibrations box set we got produced it, got it. back in back in '93. Um, Brian Brian really caught fire in the end of '76. And made an album that he wanted a title brian loves you and he said to the reporter you know like jesus loves you <laughs> um well the, well the beach boys didn't think brian loves you was a good title so it came out as the beach boys love you makes sense um but he he was a busy boy um from mid 76 to the end of 78 and then he, he started to 
he got separated. Um, he didn't really have a regular schedule. Um, there wasn't much going on, but he always would write songs. The number I can't tell you. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a tape of he and his, and his brother Dennis from the early 80s that has some amazing, amazing songs and compositions on it. Uh, I think somebody on the web nicknamed it the Cocaine Sessions. <laughs> um, and 80s, but the, that the makes sense. Early 80s, there's a song called City Blues on there that's great. But the difference between writing songs and making great records is, uh, is a big one. So, so he, um, he, he kind of lost the ambition to make great records. There's a, there's a, you know, for anyone who's a serious Brian Wilson or Beach Boys fan or even music fan, there's a film called I Just Wasn't Made for These Times. You can see it on YouTube. Um, and it has Tom Petty and Linda Ronstadt and a whole bunch, uh, David Crosby and Graham Nash, a whole bunch of people who worship what Brian's done. Um, and it has great interviews with Brian, his late brother Carl, his, his first wife Marilyn. His, his late mother, Audrey, and it's a very compact 75 minutes. And in that, um, his first wife says, talking about the Beach Boys, they really wore him down. Mm. Yeah. Because he's making music that didn't fit their image. And then he made a solo single called Caroline No. It's, wait a second, are you getting ready to leave us? So he sort of sacrificed himself like Excalibur on the sword except uh, it was the Beach Boys sword. It's like, okay, I'm going to give up my ambitions to keep the group together. The tough, tough time. And, and that's where the wilderness years really start to begin. There's, there's a story from 1967 where he was working with, with a group he had named Redwood that had his, maybe his best friend ever, Danny Hutton in it. And uh, three of the Beach Boys showed up at the studio, according to uh, a book written by one of the members of this group, Redwood, who changed their name and became Three Dog Night. Mm. And um, the story he tells is that three Beach Boys showed up at the studio and said, you can work with us or you can't work. Hmm. But you can't work with them. If you're going to write songs and make records, it has to be for the Beach Boys. And that was the end. And, and the group left... Uh, Brian's label, Brother Records, changed their name to Three Dog Night and became the, the most successful vocal group of the next six years. Yeah. So his ear was attuned to, to the changing marketplace. And unfortunately for, for him, he wasn't able to, to be part of their success. Man, that's wild. What a wealth so, of information. So his, wil his wilderness years were, there, there was certainly unhappiness. There was pressure. There was drugs. There was he had a serious weight problem in two different occasions that uh, that the, the second one in the early eighties uh, really he was he was on his way to dying so uh, those wilderness years were tough tough times. Well, thank you for answering that question. I hope Phil is uh, content with the yeah. yeah I hope Phil likes that. It'll be uh, and Phil, the book. If you if you don't mind sign, I'll send you a little message. But if you don't if you don't mind making the book out to Phil, it'd be much appreciated. Sign it because I. You can sign the books, right? That's part of the deal. With the, uh... I, I'm happy to. I'm happy to sign it. I'm happy to sign it to Phil. I'm happy to mail it to Phil. I'm happy to mail it to anybody who 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 wants 
I mean, what what Mike is talking about is on my website. We're doing a fundraiser for. I established a scholarship for Brian Wilson in 2019 at UCLA. I think it's called the Brian Wilson Scholarship for the composition, arrangement, and production of popular music. And um, we gave it. We gave away the first scholarship then, and then we every other year we give a, a worthy student the scholarship. And so we're raising money for the funds by by selling a limited edition of the book signed by me and there's there's actually a few uh, signed by Brian as well that, that are for sale. Nice. That's that great. should have been my job to plug that. Sorry. Should I should have been. Took, I what's the website? The on that, David. Giggles. What's the website uh, for that? Leaf Production w or Leaf. Oh, sorry. You, you go. No, Mike, it's your job. For that. <laughs> <laughs> That's his job. Leafprod.com. So L-E-A-F-P-R-O-D.com. I bought the seven. I, sorry, I didn't mean to buy the cheapest one, but I had to buy the cheap. You know, I had to buy the least expensive one. Uh, Why not? Well, yeah, I was gonna I, go for the five hundred dollar one, but then I was like, you know, I gotta. <laughs> I just start small. You, you know, you, yeah, you did. You gotta, you, know? you, you gotta be rich and a, and a serious fan to go for the five hundred. That's true. That's that's, that's true. quite the quite the endeavor. All um, right, this is a little timely here. Uh, we're at Florida. Florida is uh, my hometown in Florida is experiencing a hurricane. So I'm a little, yeah, I'm watching that. There? I'm just kind of, you know, keeping in touch with my family down there, but it leads me to my question. What is the most, uh, what is the natural disaster that concerns you the most? Good question. Well, you know, living in California, um, we're, we're always on earthquake watch. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I lived through a pretty big quake back in the early nineties and it, it was, it was terrifying. I, I was like screaming goodbye, I love you. I mean, oh it God. was like the end of the world. It felt like it anyway. Yeah. Um, so earthquakes are, there's an existential notion that earthquake, we're gonna, sooner or later, there's gonna be another big earthquake. But right now, the opposite of Florida, we're in the midst of year four of a mega drought. Ugh. So, so uh, we're in bad shape. You know, there's, you know, there's a reason that the the this the North America was the last continent to be inhabited. It's it's uninhabitable. Mm. I mean, it it kind of it's a swamp. It's a freezing mountain. It's a desert. It's an earthquake country without air conditioning. It would half be the country you couldn't even live in. Right. Yeah, and the other half needs heat. So you know, it's. Yeah, you're not wrong. So what, you're what, not what's wrong. the alternative, though? We we got to live through it, though. That's why I like to you know bring a little hope to this show. Well, I'm I'm a, I, I'm a hockey fan, so I'm you know Vancouver or Toronto seem like mm. nice places to live, but they they can be chilly. Um, Hawaii is the alternative. That's that's the place. Hawaii's nice. That's an I mean, expensive that's, alternative. It is expensive <laughs> alternative, but it is it is paradise, right? I mean, Hawaii is paradise. I I've been a couple of times. The first time I was ever there, I was hired my first Writers Guild job. I was the writer on on the Beach Boys' 25th anniversary special. Which, when they were trying to come up with the title, you know, they came, they couldn't come up with like "Happy Together." Or, you know, they couldn't come up with a title. But it's like the Beach Boys, twenty-five years together. It's like, yeah, okay, the marriage has lasted. But, uh, that's, that's twenty-five the years. We, we made it this <laughs> yeah. long. I mean, to them, probably twenty-five years is the best they could do because they did that. You know, that's the one thing they can say they accomplished. Well, that that's true, but this this year they're celebrating their 60th anniversary. Wild, wild, which is amazing, amazing. Um, what so, makes uh, Brian Wilson so important 
in in rock and roll history? I mean, I understand the answer, but like to you, what makes Brian Wilson so like? Why do ever? Why does it? Why does it make you keep coming back to write these books? Why does everyone in the everyone who's ever been anything? have a story or have something great to say about brian wilson to you what is it about brian wilson that makes him the figure you know what i mean yes i i I think when when i first heard about him in 1971 i'd never heard his name before i had been to a beach boys concert i had bought a few beach boys records i knew they were great but who's brian wilson the first Beatles album I got, Meet the Beatles, you turned it over on the back and it identified the four Beatles. So they were always four individuals. The, the Beach Boys were just always a sound. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly I read about this guy, Brian Wilson, who was largely responsible for that sound, creating, you know, composing the music, arranging the voices, producing the records. And my first goal was, was to, with the first book was, hey world, wake up, this guy's important. Now, back then, can't do what you can now. So you Google Brian Wilson quotes, or quotes about Brian Wilson, and you see Bob Dylan. You'll see Quest. Everybody. You'll see Peter Buck from R.E.M. I mean, there's like nobody who, you know, who, who doesn't acknowledge the fact. Sean Lennon says, Brian Wilson is my Bach. You know, he, he is the, Brian is the guy to everybody including Paul McCartney and Barry Gibb and Jimmy Webb, who all wrote introductory pieces for this, this yeah, edition get of the to book. That, yeah. And so, you know, why were they willing to do it? Because they all love what Brian's done and they recognize the importance of it. To be more specific, I think what Brian did, if we, if we make it analogous to Dylan, Dylan made people think with popular music about something other than you know, is is will you still love me tomorrow? Sure. Not that that wasn't an important question, you know, but all of a sudden he's writing about you know the end of the world, you know, and and it's, and, it, and it's a and it's a hit record. Yeah. So 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 that's so he inspired the Beatles to go deeper in their lyrics. What Brian did with his records was inspire the Beatles to go deeper in their melodic and harmonic structures. Mm. So that makes them pretty important in that regard. When I when I met George Martin and got to interview him, and he told me that Sergeant Pepper was the, the Beatles' attempt to equal Pet Sounds. Not that they equaled it, not that they bettered it, but it was our attempt, we're trying to do something as great as Pet Sounds. Right. When I told when he thought that Brian was like him, he was just the arranger and producer in the studio. When he when he found out that Brian composed all those songs, arranged all the harmonies, and was the beautiful voice on top, he looked at me. He goes, "That's not fair. That's just not fair for one person to have that much talent." That's coming from from George Martin. George Martin said um, at a at a at a tribute show I, I produced uh, back at Radio City Music Hall. He said, if I had to select one living genius of popular music, it would be Brian Wilson. If you ask Burt Bacharach or Randy Newman, or, you know, just name it, they, they all say that. What's the specific thing he did besides making music that no one else could do that made Elton John say, 
he inspired me and still inspires me. Well, he did two things. And I'm not, even though I teach a course in songwriting, I don't teach students how to write songs. I interview great songwriters and they tell the student. What Brian did, according to Elton, was had to do with the kind of changes he wrote that no one else had ever brought to, to popular music before. What mattered to me as a, as a listener, as a fan, as an author that keeps me coming back to, to, to finally get to your question, Dave. No, it's all good. Is, is, is that Brian Wilson infused this music with feeling that was so deep that even if you didn't know who the Beach Boys were and you heard you were watching a movie and you heard this song playing, you go, what is that? What is that sound? Mm -hmm. And, and there, there's something about his records that nobody, you know, Bruce Springsteen says no one has come close to doing what they did. I mean, it's just, you know, Tom Petty said, you know, you wouldn't be wrong comparing him to Beethoven. You know, and I'm not smart enough musically, historically wise to, to say whether that's accurate or not, but the artists I admire are saying it. And that's, that's good enough for me. Um, yeah. the, 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 the sadness about it, I think, is that Brian had to live a painful life that he, when he made this music, it was first, I'm making music that makes me feel better. I'm spilling these melodies that make me feel better. I'm writing these harmonies that soothe my soul. Mm. Now we're the lucky by, bystanders who get to hear it without having gone through the pain. He had to go through all that pain. Mm. So his music is his soul. And we are lucky enough to get it. We got his soul. Yes. And, and spoiler alert, um, if you just listen to his body of music, you don't need to read about. Hmm. Now, the book. Don't say gives that. That's you your book, though. That's that's we get to. <laughs> you got to sell the book. <laughs> I, but the, what the book does, and and at this point in time, I've written more words about Brian than anybody else alive. I've talked about him with anybody. Um, I spent a lot of time with him. So what the book does is, if if you're tuned into Brian's musical vibration. And you want to know his story and how it happened. This this book, uh, I'll quote a, a reviewer. He called it it's he called it the Beach Boys Bible. Um, you know, and and so okay, I'll accept that. So so we can think of the first edition as the Old Testament, hmm. where where I interviewed everybody who knew Brian. And this new edition, I didn't have to interview a lot of people because I was telling my journey with Brian. In the in the almost forty years since the last edition came out, so it's it's a very I think it's a unique circumstance in that I started as a journalist with a mission to tell the truth, and then I became an insider. And now I'm looking back on 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 both the original book and and the, this wild ride I've been on. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. This is. Go ahead, Mike. No, 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 I was going to wait for it. I was waiting for it. If you're just joining us, our guest is David Leaf. Uh, he wrote the book, God Only Knows, the story of Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and the California myth. Uh, Brian, it's this is an honor having you on our show. We got about uh, 12 more minutes to just sit and kind of hang out. We can talk earthquakes. We can talk fires, droughts, uh, music, 
uh, college life. I don't know. I don't know what a college. What is the college campus like right now in 2022? Because I went. I went well, you know, years ago, which I don't <laughs> want to age myself. But that you know, you already did. I did. But what's what's college like now in 2022? You know, it's finally getting back to sort of normal. We were teaching by Zoom the last few years because yeah, of like the this. pandemic. But UCLA is is different than college life in the sense that the students who get into UCLA, they, there may be, say, 140,000 students who apply every year and 6,000 get in. Wow. And when you look at their, their high school accomplishments, and their their resumes, these you know, 18-year-old yeah. kids with resumes. And I look at them, it's like it, it's stunning how smart they are. Mm. I mean, you know, I have I have a student who's who's helping me with a project. She's an astrophysics major. Wow. I can, you know, I can pronounce the word. Um, but UCLA is I went to I went to, to George Washington in DC, which was kind of a commuter school back in the day. Mm. Like not like going to NYU downtown at all. It was, you could drive through GW's campus and not know you were at college. When you walk onto UCLA, you look around and go, oh my God, this looks like what college is supposed to be. Right. These Very stately picturesque. buildings, you know, just amazing stuff. There's Pauley Pavilion where the, where the Bruins won a bunch of NCAA championships. I mean, it's, it's a spectacular place. And it's right in the in the center of Los Angeles, maybe five miles from the ocean. So it's 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 pretty amazing. What's college life like? I don't know. These kids work really hard. <laughs> I bet they work really hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you see do you see like a lot of potential in these kids? Do you look at these kids and go, they're going to do something? Well, with no question, no question about it. You know, I, in my in my songwriting course, students have come up to me and. Go, professor. Do you think I I can be a songwriter? And they'll be like, "Well, have you ever written a song?" Hmm. And students said, "Well, yeah." I go, "How many?" I go, "I'm thinking they're going to say three. And they go, "Well, somewhere between fifty and seventy-five." And I go, "Okay. So now you need to change the way you look at the world. Right? You're a songwriter, and the question is, professor, how do I make a living as a songwriter? Which is a whole other subject. Right? Hmm. That's that's a brutal world." Another student will come up to me and say, hey, professor, this songwriting looks like a, a really interesting way to, to, to make a living. Um, what do you think? And I go, what's your major? And they'll go, uh, biology. I said, are you pre-med? They'll go, yes. I said, do you play an instrument? They'll say, no. Have you ever written a song? Uh, they'll say, no. I said, do me a favor. Go to medical school. We need, we need more doctors than Seriously. songwriters. <laughs> this is true. Um, but, but to, 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 to bring it back around to Brian, I made a film uh, back in 2004 called Beautiful Dreamer, Brian Wilson and the Story of Smile. And if we go back to when I was in college at 19, and I said to myself, I'm going to move to California, write a book about Brian Wilson, become his friend, and help him finish Smile. And now here's, here it is 33 years later, and it actually happens, and I make a movie about it. Um, and in my documentary class on the last week of the course, I show it to my students. And throughout the course, we have other directors come in and I'll interview or I'll show them the U.S. versus John Lennon. And we always talk. Which is a wonderful, we, that's a wonderful film, by the way. 
Thank you. Thank you. Well, we always talk about the film before we watch it. On, on the last day of the course, I show them Beautiful Dream and I say, we're going to talk about it afterwards. Because my philosophy of teaching is basically, how can I help these incredibly smart and talented young people make it out in the real world? Do you listen to popular and, music? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean, I thought that was, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll, 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 get, I'll answer the question in a second. <laughs> okay. okay, sorry, sorry about that. Dave's dog anyway, distracted so, me. So I, sh I, show the, I, show the, I show them that movie and I say, okay, the reason I did, we didn't talk about it beforehand is when I was your age, I dreamed about moving to California, meeting Brian Wilson, helping him finish Smile. And this movie happened 33 years later after this dream that had that crazy dream. The reason I'm telling you students that is Us. you're here at UCLA. By the time you get to one of my classrooms, you've succeeded at UCLA. I know without any doubt that you can achieve your dream, whatever your dream is, because most of them, they're not in my documentary class to become filmmakers, most of them. They're in there because it looks like a fun class. Right. And most of them are pre-med or pre-law. And I'll say, I know for sure you, you, whatever your dream is, if you're determined to achieve it, you will. And so I get emails from students four years later, five years later. Dear professor, just wanted to let you know I just graduated from medical school and was really inspiring to hear from you that I, my dream could come true. So that's, that's what makes teaching great, is, is that you have that effect. It's never too late, students. Mike. It's never too late. It, you, know, you know what, guys? It, it really isn't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still writing screenplays, waiting, to, waiting for one of them to get, get made into a movie. Um, as, as to popular music, Mike. Sorry um, about that interruption. That was... Make playlists for me. Um, so I can can try to understand contemporary music, which is impossible because contemporary music is made for people who are not my contemporaries. Right. It's made for 20-year-olds. It is. So the music that I loved when I was 14 isn't going to matter to them for the most part. And why should the music that matters to them? Um, but I, I, you know, I am impressed by a lot of great artists. It's just not what I, I, I ordinarily choose to listen to. That's a fair answer. Fair answer. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Dave has actually written some songs. Dave, do you want to throw a quick little song here and uh, just get throw a little song. on it? Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll send you some. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll, I'll send you some. Uh, not the time or the place. But, uh, David, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, if you could send us off. I think I'm going to go out with good vibrations because it seems like the theme of the uh, the the interview we've had. But um, how can we do that without? Do, do you want me to? Do you want me? I'm sorry. Do you want no, me to sing ahead. the title song of the book before I leave? Oh yes, please. <laughs> I may not always love you as long as there are stars above you. You never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. It might be one of the most beautiful songs ever written. It, it truly it, is. It is. You know, a, a few years ago, Brian called me up one day and he said, I'm at, I'm, I'm at such and such studio. He says, do me a favor, come down here. I'm recording Mr. Tambourine Man. Would you bring me the lyrics? <laughs> That's great. So I printed out the lyrics. There's a lot of verses. 
And I got to the studio. He says, okay, you and I are going to do a duet of Mr. Tambourine. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. So he says, you, you go out and sing it first. I said, well, which verses? He picked three verses he wanted. So I, I sang it. And, and then he, he, you know, he hits the talk back button from the studio. He says, okay, double it. So I, I did it again. And he says, okay, come on in. And he sits there and he mixes it. And I said, I thought you were going to sing it with me. He says, no, no, I like, I like the way you sang it. <laughs> and, and then he, he finishes the mix and he hands me a CD of it. And it's like, okay. You know, he just loves making music. That's really nice. Uh, we love doing radio shows. Yeah, we love doing radio shows. Uh, I David? Love, I, I love talking. I, I love it. We'll have to have you back on. I mean, there's so many things that we just didn't get to, but uh, we only have an hour. But uh, I really appreciate you, appreciate you coming on. It was a pleasure. Um, if you Thank see you. Uh, Brian again, tell him David Giggles sends her love. Mm -hmm. Tell him we're not leeches. He, <laughs> you know, Mike, he, he will want to know how you got the name Giggles. We will be tell his first him question. if he wants to come on. We will, yeah, he's got to be on the show, and then we'll give him the answer. It's true. We will. You have to get on the show. But no. uh... all right, all right, all right. Through you, <laughs> we'll we'll tell you at the next show, and then we'll okay. Next yeah. time I'm on, you'll tell me. And... Yes. You, you want to know? I, I, I mean, I can give it to him. Yeah, if you want. We got three minutes, right? We got Go so for David, it. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave Giggles uh, was birthed about 13 years ago. My friend Dave, who I met through a mutual friend of mine was like, I want to do a radio show. And I was like, well, let's do it. Let's well, quit talking about it. Let's do it. You know, you've got a dream. Let's follow it. So we got together and we did a couple, you know, radio shows, had a few beers, love the sound of our voices in the headphones and just vibing off of each other. Uh, but the name Giggles uh, was, uh, was bequeathed, bequeathed is the right word, but was given to me. Uh, 2008, uh, President Obama was elected in New York City. We were in New York City and we were celebrating in the streets. And it was, it was nuts. It was mayhem. You know, people were dancing in the streets, you know, cheering, celebration. It was like a sense of hope, you know? And so we were imbibing, we were partying a little bit. And uh, my co-host Dave was working uh, for a, uh, a sort of uh, a news station. Fox that, uh, News. Fox News. Fox News. Fox News at the long time. time ago. And uh, my buddy who was with Andy said, hey, let's see if we can get into Fox News on the night of the election night. I said, that's amazing. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so we go, we go over there and we go, we get up to the security of this giant building in Manhattan and this, you know, big security guards looking at us and checking our IDs and Dave comes down and he's, you know, he's letting us in and his, you know, shaking kind of my head, shaking my head. This is not a good idea. <laughs> and I get, I get the church giggles. I get the giggles, you know, standing in front of security, <laughs> being, you know, almost being let into Fox news on the night of the election and uh, it, it kind of stuck. And, you know, we try to do a serious show here and there. And I've thought about, you know, leaving the name Giggles. But, you know, it always people are always like, what? how'd you get the name Giggles? It so comes uh, back to it. So I'm walking yeah. him around Fox News. We're going by O'Reilly. We're going when O'Reilly was there by Geraldo. And he's just giggling. I was like, you have to stop giggling. You look like a fool. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so it, it stuck that day and it stuck yeah. forever for some reason. So here we are. Brian <laughs> likes to laugh. Giggles likes to laugh. One of the secrets to successful podcasts, radio shows, whatever, is being yourself. And there it is. You guys, you guys yourself. Giggles, I'm not so sure. I know. Exactly. <laughs> David, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Yeah. We'll talk to you again soon. Good luck with the book. And uh, good luck with the book. Is God only knows the story of Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and the California myth. Thank you, David. Just wanted to put, put one more last plug in there. <laughs>
Perfect. Thank you, guys. Thank Love you. Me. Have a good night. Take care, David. Take care. I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. If you should ever leave me, though life would still go on, believe me, the world could show nothing to me. So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd be without you. Should ever leave me, the life would still go. On.